There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Acts chapter 9 verse 10, we've been going through the but gods of the Bible, where God interrupts our life. God has a tendency just to barge in and, and just to interrupt everything. And in our lives, and here is another instance of God butting into somebody's life. Let's all stand, Acts chapter 9, and look at verse 10. Acts 9 and verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. And for behold, he prayeth. And has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered the Lord, and I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And, he, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. There's our but God. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and put his hands on him, saying, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus hath appeared unto thee in the way that thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight. Forthwith he arose, and he was baptized. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to focus in on that but God that says, but the Lord said, go. But the Lord said, go. We're going to talk about how God interrupts our complacency. How God can interrupt our complacency. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We come in great amazement of your love for us, Father. Oh, how that you would span the galaxies. How that you would condescend from the throne of heaven to the dust of earth and even to Calvary, Father. Lay your precious life down on that cross. We thank you for your saving love and grace, Father. God, we just pray that as we come to you today through the preached Word of God, we pray that you would enlighten our hearts, Father. Give us eyes of understanding to see your Word, Father. I pray you would remind us of, of how you can come into our lives in any moment, Father, and command us uh, and call us from our complacency, Father, and put us to the work uh, that you've called us to do. Oh, Father, we pray we learn from Ananias how that you can use anybody, Father, and do great works by our hands for the furtherance of your kingdom. 
God, we pray uh, for those that may be here today uh, that are lost uh, and they're, they're, they're secure in their complacency and their sin. Oh God, I pray you'd awake, awaken them to the judgment to come and they would flee to the cross of Calvary and find love and mercy and forgiveness of sins, Father. God, just do your work that you do when the word is preached and we'll thank you for all that you do. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You know, uh, how often, this is a question to you, how often have you heard an anecdote or a story start this way? So I was minding my own business when something happened. You ever heard somebody tell a story that way? I was just sitting there minding my own business when all of a sudden such and such happened. Well, if Ananias were here today, I'm sure his story would start something like that. I was up in uh, near Damascus minding my own business, when all of a sudden God interrupted my life. You see, uh, this was, uh, uh, I, I was standing there. You see, complacency is something that every believer has to guard against. I'm sure Ananias was pretty complacent in his life. The Bible said he was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. It might have been a Thursday night. He might have come back from Wednesday night worship. Maybe he was in his workshop uh, chewing in his mind uh, on the, what the preacher said the night before. I don't know. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, don't have any other stories about Ananias. Never heard of him before. Different Ananias than, than what God slayed earlier uh, with uh, Sapphira's wife. Different Ananias. But, but the guy just minding his own business. And God comes knocking in his life. You see, complacency is something that every one of us has to guard against. We tend toward complacency. Chuck Swindoll, in one of the the essays that he wrote, talked about complacency. Listen to what he said. He described it this way. Always evaluating where we've been. Always reacting. Searching for ways to settle in and find comfort in our sofa-like surroundings. Yawning. Slumbering in the sleepy warm twilight of sundown. Finding a great deal of security in mediocrity and predictability of sameness. We are like chatty, laughing tourists taking snapshots of the lowlands through rose-colored filters. Enjoying today's lull, we are yesterday dwellers, avoiding the reality of today. You know, for many of us, that could describe our Christian life. But there is nothing like God to come in and and interrupt our complacency. It's nothing like God knocking and God moving in our lives to stir us from a slumber. I mean, listen, I am susceptible just as everybody else. Matter of fact, when I got up and prayed my prayer and did my little thing, the usual one, two, three, read the announcements, pray, take up the offering, I prayed against the conformity, the run of the mill in my life. I don't want to ever let my life fall into a complacent, humdrum, run-of-the-mill type of ministry. I want God to move and to work and to shake things up in my life. You see, we've all got to guard against complacency. There is nothing like God to to interrupt our complacency. God desires us to be stirred, to be revived. Every child of God can, uh, can allow God to interrupt their life by following the example we see in Ananias. 
God is going to do the very same thing. God can do the very same thing in our lives and interrupt it. And I believe if we'll follow the life of Ananias and what God does in his life, maybe God would invade our lives. Wouldn't you like God to just invade your life all of a sudden? Snap you out of your conformity. Snap you out of your complacency. Send a bona fide stirring of God in your life. I want that. And I hope that you do too. The first thing I want you to see was Ananias was aware of the Lord's communications. He was aware of the Lord's communications. A lot of times I'll refer to the little children's book that my children have. We used to read out of. The book fell apart. It got so old and it had great illustrations. And I'll never forget Ananias' illustration here. It had a guy that was basically in his workshop, maybe sawing something. I think they kind of pictured him like a carpenter. He's sawing something, but his eyes were real big. And he's looking up at the sky when God says, Ananias, when God calls his name. You see, he was in the run of the mill, uh, just kind of doing life in the motions and, and really hadn't heard anything from him before this or after this very much. But yet God invasive, invaded his life. I wonder, are you complacent in your life? Are you a lot like Ananias here and just going about the run of the mill and God coming in, whether it be from His Word, the preached Word. Uh, Brother Elvis talking about how the God began to work in his heart about preaching and being called and surrendered to preach the gospel. Oh, I wonder, is God knocking at your heart, stirring that complacency that you have? You see, Ananias was aware of God communicating to him. Notice, first of all, he was a follower of God's prescribed commandments. Notice in verse, uh, in verse 10, it said that there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The word disciple comes from the word discipline. A disciplined man. This is a man uh, that was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Ananias had followed the announced, professed, prescribed way of salvation. The revealed Word of God had penetrated his life, had prevailed, and now he was walking in the ways of God. First John uh, 1.7 said that if we, uh, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. First John 2.6 said, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, so to walk even as he walked. You see, as being a disciple of Jesus Christ, Ananias was one that walked in a prescribed way. In a way that was set forth by the Old Testament, by the preaching of the apostles at that time. Ananias didn't have a New Testament like you had. Ananias may have had a letter or two. He may have had something like that in his church. But there was the revealed Word of God that was given to him. And he was walking therein. How can we walk as he walked? Well, God's given us a way. He's given us his Word. Acts 22.2 says that Ananias was a devout man. That word devout meant he was a godly man. A God-like man. How do you become like God? There is no other way to become like God than knowing and adhering to what God has written in His Word. You see, he not only uh, was, was personally affected, but the way in which Ananias was called, there was the prescribed way first, then the personal way. I wonder, listen, are you wondering about the will of God for your life? 
But if, well, if you never crack this book open and never adhere yourself to the prescribed way that God has laid out, you'll never know the personal way. You'll never know personally whether God's called you to be a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist, or, or called you to a Sunday school class, or, or called you to this. You'll never know that personally if you're not reading the prescribed Word of God. You see, but Ananias, he was adhering to the prescribed communication of God's Word. But then he was also faithful to God's personal call. God, in verse number 10, personally calls him Ananias. The God personally calls him by name. Ananias didn't hide. He didn't ignore the call. He didn't run off in the corner and say, maybe he won't call again. That's kind of like what I did when God called me. Oh, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I tell you, I wanted to run and hide in the corner. But here we find Ananias. He, he said, uh, here am I. He announced himself. He said, behold, look, I'm right here. But Ananias, he heard the personal call. He said, behold, I'm here, Lord. You know, that, that word behold there, it indicates, look, Lord, look, I'm right here. You're calling. And I just want to say, I'm stepping forward. And I say, look, I'm right here. What would you have me to do? That's what he's saying. Behold, I'm here. I'm at your command, Lord. You know, this response that Ananias gives is, is used by many great men of God in the Bible. You take Abraham for existence. Abraham in Genesis uh, uh, 22, 1, uh, God called Abraham and he said, Behold, he said, Behold, here I here am I. In Genesis 31, 11, Jacob said, Here I am, Lord. In Exodus 3, 4, Moses said, Here I am, Lord. Samuel, when God called Samuel, he said, I'm right here, Lord. Is God calling us and we're not answering? Oh, listen, if we want God to use us mightily, we need to make ourselves available for what He might call us to. Isaiah 6 8, one of the greatest uh, passages in the Word of God dealing with God's call and, and, and in response to God's manifest presence. The shake, remember what Isaiah has said in the year the King Isaiah died? I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the, the thunderings of the voice of God, it shook the temple. And, and uh, God uh, said, uh, who will go for us? And Isaiah, in response to that, what did he say? Here am I, Lord, send me. You see, when we listen to the prescribed will of God in the Word of God, then that personal call will ring clear to us, interrupting our complacency. Are you reading God's Word? Listen, the way to know the personal call that God has on every individual life in this place is to first start with the prescribed will of God. And I guarantee you, you get in this book, you read what God says, you follow your life in line with what God demands in this book. It won't be long until you'll know that personal call. Why God placed you on this earth? Why? How God could get maximum glory from your life. God may get maximum glory from your life by being the best mother and father that you could possibly be by leading your children in the ways of righteousness. God may have your plan for your life to be a preacher or a witness. More, uh, all of us are called to be a witness, but maybe an evangelist, maybe someone that's out on the forefront, maybe a leader. I don't know, but you'll never know that personal call until you're in the prescribed call. Until what God did adhere to what God has already given you. I've been there. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? The, heck, the heavens are brass. Why? Because I'm not in this word. And if I'll adhere myself to what he says here, then I might hear him call Ronnie 
Ronnie, Carrie, Tony, Greg. I might be able to hear that call. You see, Ananias was aware of the Lord's communication. I wonder, are you walking through life listening for God to speak? Oh, listen, the sounds of this world can be deafening, can it? I'm not talking about the noise per se, but the distraction of it to where we're not listening for Him at all anymore. Oh, listen, we need to have our ear, like like, uh, my coaches used to say, put your ears on, listen to me. We need to have our ears on in this life listening for Him to call, listening to His Word, and also listening for that personal call for our lives. Ananias was aware of the Lord's communication. Not only that, but Ananias did admit his own concerns. One of the most wonderful aspects of the Word of God is its honesty. (laughs) It's honesty. The Bible, listen, you don't have to read very far in the Bible to realize that it doesn't always paint a beautiful picture of every character in the Bible. David... (laughs) And if there was anything I would have dropped out of the Bible, it had been that whole scene with Bathsheba. I mean, I just I, it was such a hero was David. A man that God called after his own heart. If there's any scene I would have dropped out of the Bible, it had been that Bathsheba scene. God's Word is honest about us. And here Ananias would give, would give uh, uh, in this account of Ananias, we're given the, the doubts, the concerns that Ananias had. You know, he's not uh, out, we're not outside the realm of concerns. Moses, when God called Moses, Moses stepped forward and said, here am I. But when God told him what he wanted him to do, there were some concerns. Well, Lord, I can't speak. I, I can't do that. You know, you know I'm, not, uh, I'm not very eloquent. I can't go down there and lead those people. I've tried that before, and they run me out of town on a rail. No, I, I, you see, we often have Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah was uh, uh, from that. God told him, from the womb I've called you, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said, no, I'm just a child. Lord, uh, I'm just a boy. There's no way I can do that. You see, these are real genuine concerns that every one of us will have. Listen, if God interrupts your life and God calls you to something or God impresses on your heart to a certain area, to a certain thing and and to a prescribed area in your life, we're going to feel futile to be able to do it. We're going to feel helpless to be able to do that. So did these great men of God. And so did Ananias. He had concerns. His concerns over destruction. Look at what uh, uh, in verse 11, God tells him, He says, Arise, go into the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he prayeth, and he seeth in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him uh, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard many of... Uh, many of this man and how much evil he had brought uh, to thy saints in Jerusalem. He said, God, I, I've heard about this sin. God asked him to do basically the unthinkable. To go to a murderous, vicious man who is wreaking havoc on his brothers and sisters in, in, in Jerusalem and to go to him and heal him. <laughs> God, I'd understand it if you wanted me to go to him and strike him dead. <laughs> but going healing, that's, that's completely unthinkable. Ananias was well aware of, it, of Saul's uh, uh, rampage. His heart was broken for his brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Could it be that this destructive rampage was a matter of deep prayer in his life? Could it be that Ananias had spent many a night on his knees before God Begging God, I pray you'd take Saul away. 
God, I pray that you'd save those brothers and sisters that are under such persecution. Maybe it'd been a matter of prayer. And now God's calling to him to against the very thing he's been praying for, could it be? Possibly. Uh, that this has been a matter of fervent prayer in his life. And now, Lord, do you want me to help the one that, that, that's been wreaking havoc? I need to hinder him, not help him. You see, are you concerned? Listen, are you concerned for the church of God? I imagine Ananias, this is what he was aware of. He was concerned about what was happening in Jerusalem. He said, God, don't you know what's going on there? Oh, listen, there's, there's never been a week in my life where I've seen more of the concern of the family of God in this past week and what all's going on with Carrie and the hospital and everything and the outpour of folks. Uh, uh, any, if you need us for anything, uh, just give us a call. And I rarely, uh, rarely any of those folks that said that I really sincerely uh, doubt that they wouldn't stop what they're doing to do something for me. What a caring church of God. I wonder, is that your heart? Ananias, he had a heart for God's family. He had a heart for God's church. This was a genuine concern on his behalf a love for God's people he had concerns over destruction he also had concerns over danger he was he had concerns over danger he said uh, Lord are you sure you know what you're doing uh, he's he's throwing folks like jail like me in jail God do you want my head cut off uh, disciples like me and followers uh, uh, of you, he, he, in his, he's got us in his deadly crosshairs. God, he's taking shots at us. He's, he's seeking for me, not me seeking for him. He's looking to put me in prison. I don't need to, to seek for him. Lord, are you asking me to do something completely outside of my logic? Boy, I tell you what, nine times out of ten, that's exactly what God will call you to do. Something that's completely outside your logic. Oh, God, that person hurt me. God, you don't know how that person tried to destroy my life, tried to hurt me. And God wants you to go to them and say, I want you to love on them. I want you to forgive them. I want you to express kindness toward them. God, you don't know what those people down there did to me. You don't know what they said about me. And yet God wants you to still persevere in that place, in that place of service. God oftentimes asks us to do things that are beyond our logic. But He calls us out of our complacency and to come outside of our ability to see His ability. To see God's ability. Listen, if you're going to be doing things that are only within the bounds of your ability, you'll never see God's ability. You'll always be able to chalk it up uh, to your ability, to what you can do, to your skills, to your personality. But when God asks you to go outside of that and go beyond that, then you'll see what God do what only He can do. I can't pastor a church. I'm doing a pitiful job. But I'm depending on God to show His ability and the strength to lead this church. To make me a pastor. To make me a husband. To make me a godly father. I can't do these things. They're outside of my ability. But only when it's outside of my ability then can God show His ability in my life. You see, God's asking him to do something that's outside of his range. Isaiah 55, 7 and 8 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, uh, and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. This is, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. And neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. 
God knows more than you do. His thoughts are so fathomly higher than eyes, our thoughts that we can't possibly fathom what He's doing, how He's working. You see, that was the concern that He had. And that may be very well the concern you have. Oh, but listen, I love how God breasts His concerns. God takes those concerns and says, Ananias, I hear him. Let's go on to the next point. Ananias was attended by God's comforts. Ananias was, deten- was attended by God's comfort. You see, it's important to note that just because Ananias questioned does not mean that God stopped using. Well, that's a good thought. Listen, you don't have to be so much concerned about when you question God, whether he's just going to quit altogether. God didn't throw up his hands and say, Ananias, Ananias do this. And then when Ananias said, well, Lord, are you sure about that? And God just didn't stomp off his feet and walk away from him. God didn't do that. God didn't do that. God answered his questions. The, our thing is, is here's what we'll do. <laughs> here's what we'll do. Is we'll, God will say something. God will uh, impress. God will tell us something from his word. And, and we'll reply back, well, Lord, that's hard. I, I just, I don't know if I can do that. And then we'll click listening for a response. We'll ask the question back. And we'll say, God, we'll give Him our concerns, but we won't listen to Him respond. And we'll just end it at that. But no, God responded. Ananias, listen. Ananias did question, but God didn't leave. No, God strengthened him with His comfort. Notice in the... In the first uh, first portion here, we find that uh, he was comforted by God's provision. God's provision. Look uh, uh, Look at what he said in verse 15. He said, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. You see, the prefix pro is a Latin word that means forward. It means ahead. Vision just means to see. Video, that's what you see. A vision is to see something. So God forward, God's forward vision is here, the comfort to Ananias' heart. He said, Ananias, go your way. Because I know you can't see it right now. But provision, provision, ahead vision lies ahead of you. I'm already ahead of you, Ananias. I've already took care of your concerns. The path is already prepared ahead of you. You just fall into it. God's already taken ahead. He said, I've already seen, uh, I've already seen ahead, Ananias. I've chosen him. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and although you don't see ahead like I see, that he is a chosen vessel to be used mightily for my sake. Abraham. Think about Abraham. Abraham, take and sacrifice your son. Abraham goes up that mountain one side knowing and frightened to death that he's going to have to take the life of his son, but he will be obedient to God. And as he goes up this side, heard old preachers say, that ram was coming up this side. <laughs> Provision was already made. Abraham was taking Isaac up this side. The ram was coming up this side. Listen, God sees the end from the beginning. If He calls you, if He impresses you to serve Him, you don't have to worry about your concerns. He lay him aside because he has provided provision. He's seen ahead. He said, you ain't got nothing to worry about. He's a chosen vessel. I'm going to use him, and I'm going to use you to use him. He was comforted by God's provision, but also he was comforted by God's plan. Now, when God sees the future through his providence, then he connects 
to, he connects to that future by fulfilling, by us fulfilling his step by step plan for our lives. God provision provides providence. He sees ahead. He sees what's going to happen. And therefore, in the now, in the present, He's got a step-by-step plan to take us right to God's provision and God's plan. You see, it's not only God's provision. He was comforted by God's plan. Ananias, the first step toward God expanding the kingdom of God uh, through this man called Saul is for you to simply step out your door. The first step. Think about what all rides on this. And I may have this later in my note. Think about everything that's riding on this right here. Ananias is a nobody. You don't find him anywhere else in the Bible. God comes to him one time. God says one thing to him. God asks him to do one thing. And most of that New Testament you hold in your lap hangs in the balance of this man being obedient. Hangs in the balance. Countless so More than likely, you being here today and not worshiping some Incan God or some Native American God in this room today, your being here today may very well have a whole lot to do with one man, one nobody, doing what God told him to do one time in his life. That's the importance of being obedient. He was comforted by God's plan. What if Ananias had said no? Could it be that we would know we would know so little of the deep truths of God's salvation? Could it be that we'd have so little of God's Word here today? That's why it's so critical for our church. That's why if you want to see God do great and mighty things, it is so critical for every one of us to be obedient. You don't know where God is leading. You don't know the path ahead that He's already seen. But to God, we'd all be obedient. But to God, we'd always follow the promptings and the callings that He gives us in our heart to follow Him. You see, Ananias was attended by the Lord's comfort. Oh, listen, God calls you, don't be afraid. God will quell those comforts by saying, I've already seen the end from the beginning. I know where you're going, and I'm going to lead you in the path straight to my provision. Don't you worry about a thing, Ananias. Don't you worry about a thing, Gethsemane Baptist Church member. Don't worry about a thing, preacher. Don't worry about a thing, deacon, Sunday school teacher. Don't worry about a thing, worker. Oh, listen, I've already laid out the path ahead of you. All I need you to do is step out the door. All I need you to do is walk down the path. That's all I'm asking you to do. Oh, listen, And in the end, Ananias did assert his own conformity. He did assert his own conformity. So much hung in the balance in this one moment of Ananias, uh, uh, more than he could possibly have dreamed of. But look at verse 17. I love those first few words in verse 17. And Ananias went his way. (laughs) And Ananias went his way. Ananias fell into conformity. He said, I'm going to do what God called me to do. He asserts it. He said, I'm going to follow. He steps out of his house, steps out of his comfort zone, steps out of his... uh, complacency to follow God. He showed conformity in his departure. Now I want you to know that Ananias uh, uh, Ananias is going to Damascus to see Saul of Tarsus is a lot like you leaving here and going to Dalton to meet Osama bin Laden. I mean that's what it was for him. <laughs> I mean it really that was the that's the parallel. You leaving this building today Going to Osama bin Laden down there in Dalton, hold up an apartment complex. 
hiding because he come to Jesus. And it'd be like you going down there and standing in front of him and saying, God sent me that the scales might be taken the eye off your eyes, that you might receive the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, what a daunting task. And yet, his departure rings assuredly, I will be obedient. I will follow God. The unthinkable is the, is the most likely thing that God's going to send us to. But the clear command of God overwhelmed the unthinkable task ahead of us. It's an unthinkable task for God to fill this place. Oh, it's an unthinkable task for God to work mightily and save person after person week in and week out. For God to do great and mighty things that we couldn't even possibly imagine in this place. But it all starts with a departure. It all starts with a first step. He showed conformity in his departure. He showed conformity in his demonstration. Not only did he go, but he did exactly what God told him to. He 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 uh, he commenced. Uh, uh, he can, uh, communicated what God wanted him to communicate. He demonstrated what God wanted him to demonstrate. Look at our verse. Look at what Ananias said. He entered into his house, putting his hands on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, even that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, sent me that thou mightest be, receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He did exactly what God commanded him to do. No more, no less. He followed in God's ways. He just did simply what God... He didn't come there. He didn't come there cheerleading saying, Saul, I'm your man. I, I, God's done sent me and I'm the one, baby. I'm the one that's got your life all in my hand. Not with a haughty spirit like that. He came in. Not with convincing words of man's wisdom, showed up at the door and said, Saul, God sent me that I, you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, let's, let's just simply be obedient to God. Sometimes God calls us to something. And well, I've got to do this first and I've got to do that first. And I've got to get this, get this area fixed up in my life. And I've got to tie all these things together before I do that simple. Just simply do what God asks you to do. You read God's word, just simply do. I like what, uh, of what that gospel track uh, by Ray Comfort, uh, when he leads someone to the Lord, tells them how to get saved, he said, read your Bible every day and do what it says. Hey, you can't beat that. Read your Bible every day and do what it says. Follow God. Be obedient to what God says in His Word. Does your life demonstrate a conformity to the prescribed call and the personal call that God has on your life? You could see His conformity. It was demonstrated. He did exactly what God asked Him to do. Oh, would to God that we would demonstrate in our lives what God called us to do. To have that love one for another that we're supposed to have. To be a light and salt in this world. To have a compassion on lost souls. To have a zeal and a love for God that outshines those around us. You see, He showed conformity in His demonstration. And then finally, He showed conformity in His dependence. We have no indication in the Bible, in the New Testament, that Ananias had ever done anything, something like this before. I don't believe that the, even the apostles had innate power to perform miracles. I believe they acted just as Jesus did in faith, and God blessed that faith, and God wrought mighty miracles through their lives. I don't believe any of them had an inherent touch uh, uh, on themselves, an inherent 
power. No, that power was a mighty outworking of God's power in their life. Ananias was dependent on God alone for protection and power. God is sending him to a person he never thought he'd ever try to go see. To do something he never thought he'd be able to do. And to also perform something that he had no way of knowing he could do. How did he know he could get the scales to fall off this guy's eyes? How did he know uh, that the Holy Spirit would fall upon uh, the, uh, the Saul of Tarsus when he laid hands on him? He had no idea what God was going to do, how God was going to work it. But he went in faith and obedience, in demonstration, and then and all, all, also dependence upon God. You know, Brother Ronnie, you know, I'm just not a powerful personality. I'm just not, I'm just not, you know, out there and outgoing. And, and uh, I'm just not that kind of person, Brother Ronnie. Well, listen, it's not about your personality. It's not about your gifts and abilities uh, innately. Uh, it, it, it's not about these things. It's about God working through you and a dependence on Him. Listen, when I go knock on the door on a Thursday night and try to talk to somebody and try to witness and share my faith, I never want to have the mindset of, well, if I can say the right thing, if I can, if I can put the right illustration or the right strand of words together, I'll get them. That's what the cults do. What we go, and Paul said, I didn't come with you with flowering words of man's wisdom. He said, I came in demonstration of power. He said, I, he said, I came in demonstration of what only God could do. You see, that's what we need to see in our own lives. Dependence upon God to do the work. I can't save anybody. I can't convince anybody to be saved. Oh, but I know there's a Holy Spirit of God and there's the power of God and I'm going to go in dependence. When I stand behind this pulpit, I don't imagine that I can conform your lives what I owe but I'm trusting that the Word of God and the Spirit of God and my obedience would go in and work in your life and move and shake your life for the kingdom of God. In closing, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Complacency is a deadly foe in all spiritual growth. And I tell you what, my life reeks of complacency. Our church reeks of complacency. Every one of us is guilty of it. Being okay with the status quo. We have a few here. We take up just enough in the offering to uh, pay the bills and do this and do that. Never can go beyond anything like that. Never can go any push. Never never test our boundaries. Live in our own self-confidence. Never step on to the, over into the realm of, of living by faith and of trusting God in other areas beyond our, our shell, our sphere. Oh, listen, uh, God wants us to go beyond our complacency to see God do mighty things in our lives. Maybe maybe you come here today minding your own business and you never realize God would speak to your heart today, would call you today in a way that you haven't heard in a long time. Maybe it's just a run-of-the-mill Sunday and that's what we do at our house. We'll be there. I'll clock in. I'll punch in. I'll be there. But it's just clock in, clock out. Just like this. And that's not your job. This is This is not... This place is that we don't have a time clock back there. I don't pull an attendance roll out 
and say, well, they here, they weren't here, they were here, whatever. I am concerned when you're not here of the health reasons, whatever, spiritual reasons. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're, it's not, not, to be, not to be a place of conformity or, 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 uh, or complacency in this place. To get used to, to business as usual in the kingdom of God. I don't want that. I will dry up and wither on the vine if it comes down to just the same old routine over and over and never opening my ears for God to speak and call Ronnie. Brother, sister, Greg, Bill, David, whatever, whatever the case may be, God to come and speak in our lives and call us outside of our abilities, outside of our complacency to see God do the, the miraculous in our lives. Let's stand as they have come with a moment of invitation. You may be here today, and maybe God's not calling you to a work. You may be here without the Lord Jesus and saving faith, and He's calling you unto salvation. Oh, don't ignore that call. Don't hide from that call. You come to the call. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Yes, you're a sinner. You've broken God's law. You're guilty before God. God is in His righteous judgment must punish you with the torments of hell throughout all of eternity. You seem like that. You say, well, that's a bit much, Brother Ronnie. But think about what He gave to save you. And if you refuse that, if you refuse that and, and, and instead uh, just go stand before God in your own sins, God has no other recourse than to give you all the wrath and fury of all of eternity. But God sent His Son Jesus so that wouldn't have to happen. You can repent and turn. Put your trust in Jesus today. You can be saved. But my main thrust of this message is for all of us that know God, that are children of God. Do you even give avenues for God to speak to you at all? Have you closed off the, the prescribed Word of God and you can't even hear God speak through that? If you're thinking Brother Ronnie is going to be the spiritual speaking in your life that will cut it for all your life, you're sadly mistaken. You're going to be, uh, you're going to be very, uh, what is it that they call undergrowth? Uh, stunted in your growth. And you'll settle into complacency. Oh, it's something about reading this Word of God. He pushes us beyond our boundaries. He pushes us beyond our abilities to trust Him to do the incredible and the impossible. Maybe God's commanded you to something. You've shirked that command. Today, you want to come in and say, God, here I am. Behold, I'm here. I've got some concerns. God, put them at ease by your word. Put them at ease by the confidence that I can have in you. You come as we begin to say what's I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.